Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Basketball has officially entered the second half of the season, and this is the time for teams to prove if they are contenders or pretenders. And DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Get in on the action now to claim your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when using code THPN during sign-up. Playing daily fantasy basketball is simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Feel the sweat like never before. Every dunk, steal, and assist means so much more with a DraftKings daily fantasy lineup. The New York Knicks are one of the biggest underdog surprises of the season. So you could probably make some money off the backs of players like R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, and Julius Randle. With DraftKings, payday comes every day for players. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings app now and use code THPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code THPN, and you can get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This is the Broadway Boys Podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and Andy and I are back with Season 2, Episode 29, as the New York Rangers split with the Washington Capitals, the New York Rangers split with the Philadelphia Flyers, and the New York Rangers split with the Boston Bruins, overachieving once again on Andy's prediction of getting three out of six points. So Andy, I have to ask you, how are you doing? I'm feeling much better about this team as of late. I think they're kind of right where they're clearly competitive with when now that they're firing on all cylinders, at least maybe for their lineup. That's and this is without Shesterkin. Uh Yeah, where I think most fans thought they would be at the beginning of the season because, you know, you thought they'd be in it. You didn't know if they'd get in, but you were at least confident they could hang. And honestly, because even, you know, you could say they they were so close to taking that first game against Washington, but obviously they give up the two goals in the same exact fashion at the end, which is a heartbreaker. But, you know, when you're hanging in there and playing competitive hockey, and especially you're like rebounding and trying to make the adjustments like I, they did in that, uh, the game, you know, their second game versus Washington. Yeah. I mean, it's, you almost are more forgiving of the mistakes because you know what you're like, yeah, they, 
they make mis- they're a young team. They're going to make their mistakes. And listen, the other team gets paid to play hockey too. And especially most of the teams in their division are older and a little bit more confident, even when things aren't going their way. And that's kind of like the last thing the Rangers don't really have is that they have they've seemed to have lacked that clutch gene to either get tying goals when they need it or just overcome from behind. But you know they've been playing well, and I you know I honestly of of all the games they played, you know even that. Uh, the out absolute route against the Flyers. I thought their best game of, of team on five on five, just team play was that first game against the Capitals that they ended up losing with the breakdowns in the end. So, you know, hockey's funny, but you can't argue with where they're at They're Even though they're on the outside looking in, they're really not that far out of it. You know, the Bruins are really struggling lately. Um, the Flyers have been kind of up and down and now it looks like they, there's, they potentially might lose Couturier for some time. So and the Rangers finally have their number one center back to where he was last year. He just looks like he finally got over whatever was ailing him, whether it was confident COVID, you know, all the above. You know, he's magic right now. He's Mika March, you know, magic. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm happy with where they're at, at least. You know, maybe I have some my own concerns about the rookies right now. But other than that, at least from a team play perspective, you, you this is kind of you're getting pretty much the best of what you can get. I think I dude, I agree with you. And, you know, watching the New York Rangers play last night and beating the Washington Capitals, I really felt like, you know, I, I really like the attitude amongst the team. I don't know if I truly love this team and how it's constructed and built right now, but I do like the attitude. And I do like the fact that they're a close knit group. They do seem to want to play for each other. Um, you know, they, they take losses as a team and they take, you know, individual triumphs and, um, you know, just, you know, you know what I mean? Like you have a special, yeah. you know, a special um, outing like with Panarin ever since he's come back, but it's not really about Panarin. It's about the team success. Like we win, we won, we win, uh, we lose together. It's just like they say and do all the right things in terms of that aspect of the game. But Again, I, you know, we're so up and down and this is, you know, the roller coaster analogy that we've used so many times about this season. It just, it, it always holds true. And, you know, we were riding the high of when we beat Buffalo and the Devils twice. And then we went immediately into a lull where we lost to the Penguins and then got, you know, smacked by the Bruins. And then we come back on, on Saturday, um, the, the 13th and we beat the Boston Bruins, right? And everyone's saying, you know what, good, good for the Rangers. Like, I like how they responded there. And, you know, and credit to them because, you know, the Boston Bruins are, are a better hockey team than the New York Rangers. And then they go to, you know, then they are, play against the Flyers and they take that first game into overtime. And, you know, you're, you look at that game and you're like, you know, if Igor plays that game, they, they probably win it. You yeah. know, Kincaid didn't have his best hockey. But again, no one's really pointing blame. and. And I give, you know, tremendous credit to, you know, Kincaid for having to really step up his game and, and kind of be, you know, a, a difference maker. And then and the Rangers, you know, start Georgie back in net and uh, they beat the Flyers 9 nothing, and, you know, create a buzz around the National Hockey League, you know, you know winning 9 nothing and scoring seven goals in the second period and and Zibanejad having six points in the second period and tying the you know the NHL record for most points I think in a period it's just like all special things seem to happen you know when the Rangers are all clicking and then they split against the Capitals and and now you look at the schedule and you know for the 
for the rest of the year and you're like, you know what? We play a lot of games that are are heavy, you know, are, are favored, you know, in our in our hand. You know, we have the Buffalo. That was an awful way of putting it. <laughs> we have the Buffalo Sabres. You have the Flyers and Flyers next with the Capitals after that. But you see how we're competitive against the Capitals. You know, we did very well against the Flyers, obviously winning nine nothing and, and you know taking them to overtime. And then we have the we have a bunch of games against the Buffalo Sabers. So to say that this team is out, and I've said that before, I think is kind of foolish. So you know, what are your you know what are your thoughts about this team as we enter like you know the second half of March and and all of April? Um, yeah, I mean, like I had said up top, that you're I'm happy with how they're playing. I you know, the goal for me is to see contributions throughout that lineup. And right now the kid line seems to be struggling. They've, you know, they've all had their moments of brilliance this season, but you know, if any way you slice it, unfortunately, Lafreniere and Kako as you know, even for the, all the flashes, it's, yeah, it's a little disappointing. Unfortunately, Heedle, even though he is, you know, in some ways you can clearly tell he's taken such a step forward and he's a force every time he's on the ice and he's just making things happen. It's just, yeah, the, for all three of those kids, it's just not all a hundred, you know, fully there yet. And, but, you know, honestly, I, that's kind of why I'm happy they're, they're playing together. It's not one of those things where it's like, even if they struggle this year, it's like when you're on a line where all, you don't, you can't really defer to a vet, you know, to do with their experience to do, make things easier and do, it's kind of like you have to figure it out. And just, especially with the, uh, Quinn out the last few games and I think he'll be out at least another one or two games right um yeah you know, at least Knobloch behind the bench those listen he was coaching to win games that's kind of why so I think because he's not you know the, the kid line got less ice time I think it was they were just kind of rolling it you know that that top six with the way they're going right now you know we're getting the most ice time and they weren't getting as much and you know it, it it's unfortunate. I know a lot of ways it's unfortunate, but at the same time, it's, yeah, they've struggled to produce and, you know, they have almost, you know, how many missed, you know, off uh, ramping off of uh, the blade of the stick and just missed back doors and just so close off the post, you know, all these guys. So again, I've, I'm a big proponent of the development isn't linear, you know, so I think it'll come for all those guys. I'm still not worried, but yeah, it's just, it's obviously unfortunate because I, I do remember last year, we had a big one of our biggest problems was that our top six was was at times dominant based on the backs of Mika and Panarin, but then our when our bottom six was a no show. But at least you know when they have the puck, it seems that you know that line has it in the zone, and they're five on five. They're such a better team this year, so you know you got to learn to crawl before you can walk. And again, it's kind of while they're winning, and you know the fact that Mika's rebounded the way he has and looks like he did last year. You know it definitely. I'm definitely feeling a lot more relieved recently than I am, you know, concerned as we were at, you know, a scant two weeks ago. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I wanted to ask you too, because I see this, you know, I see this a lot, like on Twitter and stuff like that, you know, the argument going back and forth on the kids, are they playing enough? Uh, you know, are we giving up on the season? Let's just play them as much as possible, even if it's a tight game and, and, you know, Mika and Panarin might be, you know, buzzing that game. Should we sacrifice their ice time to give the kids more just to see what they got? And I can see, you know, all those points. I think I think both sides of the argument can really make a a case for itself. So I wanted to hear like kind of your opinion, you know, with the way the season is going, are you ready to kind of give up and, you know, give those players 
you know, 15 to 20 minutes of ice time every single night, even though we still kind of might be in the hunt. And, you know, Mika and Panarin are finally playing like, you know, the, the Mika and Panarin of old. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things where it is obviously a balancing act. And a lot of it, I think, will be game specific, because obviously, if you're looking for the, the equalizer, then yeah, you obviously maybe you might ride your top six a little bit more, but at the same time, or if you're only sitting on a one goal lead, but if it's one of those games where you're up to nothing and you just want to, you're confident with how they're playing, yeah, maybe you can try to roll them out more as long as you know they're. It's made clear to them that you are sitting on a lead, and you can definitely feel free to play in their end, but you you have to be attentive to your five on five, you know, your play away from the puck and your defensive details and that's the biggest thing is that i think even lafreniere i think defensively i've liked a lot more what i've seen with him he seems a little bit more eager to be engaged it just it just he strikes me as he doesn't really know what his role is on that kid line i think it was even though he was struggling at first and he was super unlucky it was easier for him when he was with he was kind of deferral deferring to you know panarin or or as a or whoever he was paired with at first you know um even though he wasn't getting, he was just super unlucky with the shooting percentage and his PDO. But at the same time, it's like now that he's on the kid line, it's like, yeah, I think they're all trying. He's playing a little bit more reactive, but I think it's still, he's trying to get acclimated to the size and the speed of the National Hockey League and what can he do, what he can't do. And yeah, he strikes me as a kid who likes, he's, I think to his own detriment sometimes, he likes to play inside of the game, if that makes any sense. So you know, I think Rangers fans are mad that they don't see him trying to do crazy things. And even if he messes up, but he's just much more about using his skills to play inside the game and take what it gives him and create scoring chances. So yeah, it doesn't pop. It's not eye popping, but at the same time, it's like when you step back and you look, you're like, oh, he had this many chances or this many shots on net. And, you know, so it'll be frustrating, but it's kind of part of it. You know, I mean, Kako is also snake bit, but at the same time, it's like, he's so much more dominant on the puck now. And you can, if you have eyes, you can see. So, you know, even if he ends up, I don't know, maybe not having as many, it's disappointing, but you can definitely tell he's a better player this year than he was last year. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it's, it's it, like I said, it's a balancing act, but at the same time, I think it'll be game dependent and, and specific. And obviously right now with the way Buchnevich and Zabanajad are going, um, and obviously Panarin and hasn't missed a beat since coming back. And obviously as Panarin Strom is, hasn't been that bad either. Yeah. So it's, you know, maybe at some point if Blackwell is just kind of like turned back into what you mostly think of him as a bottom six guy. I mean, he is a bottom six guy, but you know what I mean? It's like one of those things where right. it's like, you know, maybe you do put uh Kako back with those two or hell even try, you know, maybe make that a, a rotating spot for, Kako and Lafreniere, you know, even if it's on his off wing, you know, it'll put Lafreniere shooting position more and, you know, uh, say, you know, Kako uh, can try that again, you know, maybe get something going, especially if those two are going. So, yeah, I mean, it's there's a lot of variables and a lot. I don't expect much to change with Knobloch. It's kind of he's I think he's doing trying to out of respect for Quinn, just stick to that game plan. And honestly, it seems like keeping it simple and just doling it at not to, you know, we haven't taken a too many men penalty <laughs> yeah. with him here. And he just seems like a pretty calm and calm demeanor. And it's kind of the players, they don't seem to be, uh, you know, choking on their sticks as much. They just kind of seem to be playing and reacting, which is what you want, you know? So who knows, maybe knowing with Quinn, it's almost like, they have a little bit more carte blanche, but they're still, it's just allowing them to play a lot more aggressive and without thinking like, if I fuck this up, I'm, I'm staple to the bench, you know? 
I I definitely a thousand percent agree with that. And you know, it's it's funny. You know, the first game of nine nothing against the Flyers was the first you know game that Quinn was out, and you know everyone's like, you see, this is what you know Quinn was holding, and it's like it's nine nothing. Like, do you honestly think that the New York Rangers with Quinn is now going to win just every game nine nothing? Like they figure it out, boom. It's like no, it's I do think though there is a sense of you know. Um, they knew they had to come together, you know, a new coaching staff. It's like, what the hell? This season's kind of a gong show how it's set up anyway. And I think you saw the Rangers kind of, you know what? There isn't as much pressure on us as, as we may think there is. And, you know, now, now, now's the time where we're not going to get a, a change, you know, and maybe they got the news that Quinn will be out for X amount of days guaranteed. So they know, that there aren't going to be too many crazy changes unless, you know, something, you know, ridiculous happens like a suspension or, or like a dirty hit. So I think, you know, you saw a team play with, a, you know, a little bit looser and, you know, against a, a Flyers team who, again, I guess under AV is kind of the definition of just inconsistent. You know, some games they look like they could compete for a Stanley Cup and then Man, the effort that they put against the Rangers in the nine nothing game, man, they didn't even look like they belonged in the NHL. Very, very bizarre. Um, but you know, again, I, I, this is not a this is not a Quinn thing. You know, this is more about you know the U, the New York Rangers not having a full identity, and and Quinn may be part of that. But you know, the Rangers are still trying to figure it out. They have a lot of players that are trying to prove themselves in this league, and with that comes more inconsistency than a team that has established, you know, NHL players like the Pittsburgh Penguins, the, the Islanders, the Bruins, the Flyers. And, you know, it, it's not always about, you know, it's coming into the league and, and, and figuring things out right away. Like it, you just get, there's gotta be a projection and, you know, you said it, you know, Kako, how much better he looks than last year. That's a good thing. Like, he doesn't need to be dominant his second year, you know? It's just things happen differently for different players and and you know, to hold everyone to the same standard and expectation is so stupid. And it's like and you you can't even really compare organizations together. A, a kid blossoming in Minnesota is way different than a kid under the New York media, under the New York spotlight playing, you know, at Madison Square Garden. I'm, I'm sorry. I no no disrespect to Minnesota, but it's a lot different. It could be a lot tougher on a kid, you know? Um, you know, it's just, there's so many aspects that go into it. And I really hate the comparisons between, you know, um, you know, players that are, you know, might be playing in a different organization. See, they're contributing at this level. And it's just so different in every scenario that you really can't compare it. Do you, do you agree with that? Yeah, I do. And again, I think we forget how young these, we see how much more you know, aggressive Kako looks. Imagine Lafreniere next season with right. an extra gear to be quicker on pucks, which I think is his biggest thing right now is that he's, his game has always lacked pace a little bit and, but it's gotten better, you know, in terms of that, but it's still, you know, just a summer of, of maybe, cause he's always been a raw bone thick kid, like, you know, another summer of getting more explosive and faster and stronger Hells, you know, cause even though he's so big for his age, you know, there's a difference between man's strength and the strength of a 19 year old. And how care. about a normal summer, Andy? A more yeah, a normal, normal summer, summer exactly. Say, you know? Where he can just, you know, you can train all you want, but it's like you need that combination of on the ice training specifically to get get things second nature. And like, because you can, you know, and again, it's like he's young and, you know, 
uh, same, listen, same with, we forget how young Heedle still is and he's still like not a world beater, but he looks, it's almost like one of those things where Heedle is a player. You look at him and you're like, man, in like, you could tell like he's going to pop in like two or three seasons. You know what I mean? Right. And it's disappointing, but at the same time, you know, it's like one of those things where the more work he does to be a dominant on the puck player, because he just keeps getting bigger and he, he's going to be the size of a giraffe soon. <laughs> and it's just, you know, you saw him, we, we remember Heedle being weak on the boards and kind of awkward and this lanky, but he's always been such a big explosive skater for his size. And, the hands and now you just see that he gets in there and he like Yager he just sticks his butt out and you can't get the puck and he just comes and he can peel out with his skating so I think that the final piece of the puzzle for him is going to be like oh now I can create my own time and space and just having the skill and the confidence to slow the game down to make sure he can score you know because right now it's like he gets it and he's like all right I got the puck I'm moving I'm keeping it away I'm rolling out and it's just you just need enough confidence to like you know, which Strom has in spades is that he kind of like can burst out of little pockets and then quickly slow it down a little bit, which kind of freezes everyone up because what's this guy going to do? And it buys him more time. And Keel will get there, Lafreniere will get there, and Kako will get there. You know, Kako finally has that ability to, you know, pivot all around the perimeter like he did in, in Liga. It's just that the game in front of him still hasn't slowed down enough where he can kind of exploit it, but he's still making things happen and he's a lot more decisive. So yeah, it just... They're taking baby steps, so I think the fans' appetite would for uh, these guys to break out immediately. Unfortunately, yeah, of course it'll be disappointing if you look at it like that. But and I, I have know. another question for Still you. Still not worried. That, yeah, that kind of you know curtails off of the points that you have just made. Is you know if you look at the New York Rangers last year and how poorly their defensive structure was and and how they were so vulnerable in their own end and just it just seemed like they never defended the guts uh, of their zone. You know. The sacrifices that, you know, all these younger players, you know, have had to take this year, learning a defensive zone system, learning structure, you know, and trying to figure that out as well, you know, it may take away from, you know, they may shy away from being, you know, risky and, and taking chances on the offensive zone because they are trying to learn how to defend at the NHL level. Because let's not forget, like, that's half the battle. Like it's great to score goals and and be offensive and and you know put in five goals a game, but you see what happens in the in the playoffs. It becomes a whole different animal, and you need to learn how to defend. And you need to defend, you know, physically. You need to defend, you know, in the mental aspect of the game, and 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 learning how just to chip the puck out and you know and and not collapse. There's so much to this game, and and do you think that you know? Would you rather them learn a complete game? slower than to maybe you know rack up 60 70 points in the first couple of years be, be be atrocious and get knocked out of the playoffs because they never really learn that defensive game or they go four years where they learn the entire you know nhl game of every zone but you know they aren't they they do sacrifice a little bit on the offensive end Hey, hockey fans, I'm Breezy. And I'm Ray Ray. We host the House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. We're lifelong hockey fans who talk about the game and the lifestyle. Our guests include professional hockey players. My rookie party had to wear Speedo and then we had a checklist 
of stuff we had to do. Here we go, Gaber. What do you got to say? And it's kind of <laughs> like, you know better than that now, boys. I got dressed for the Bruins. You get a phone call. He's like, dude, we need you over here by the elevator. You got to get downstairs. You got to get dressed right now. I started playing the like, dun, 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 and I turned it around and it had the Olympic rings and said, we did it. NHL team hockey reporters. I actually took the Stanley Cup to this ice bar where they've got now girls around them and I've got a fur coat on. <laughs> I wonder who, who he shoot checked over here. <laughs> and then <laughs> I looked down at my face. Hockey fans. The entire bar was lined with guys in Kings jerseys. We quickly realized, oh my gosh, this is the dad's trip. And we bring unique hockey stories to light. Coming back to England, 24 right. rings in the entire country. That's where the problem starts with the sport of ice hockey here. Canadian Blind Hockey Association, those few kids we interviewed, their whole week is built around Sunday at the rink. They're just hockey players. We don't agree on everything. Pineapple goes on pizza. <gasps> no, it does not. <laughs> I think it does. Well, we do agree that there are many people and places that build the House of Hockey. New episodes every Tuesday. Come on in to the House of Hockey podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. And like I said, it's almost it's it's I think it's going to be one of these seasons where at the end you're like, oh, man, like they just they couldn't they didn't have enough of this or enough of that. But then you look at for the first time and I can remember this team is like a pretty, you know, uh, you know, up not, you know, they're at least close to it, you know, a top 10 team defensively. And yeah, and f- event wise, they're kind of just middle of the road, you know, it, but it's good. It's like, it's, they're clearly trending towards like, I don't know, playing a sustainable um, brand of hockey that can like, cause you know, last year things were a little too run and gun and hero plays. Whereas this year, I watch this style of hockey and even again, even though I don't know if Quinn necessarily is the guy to get them to the promised land, it's like I can see how it's finally seeming like, okay, I find like I finally at least especially these last two weeks, what we should be talking about. I see the breakout system be easier and more, you know, I see the defenseman, you know, the, the center swinging back to to pressure the rush the other way. You know what I mean? And I and even in their own zone, it's like, yeah, it can still be a little bit jazz sometimes, uh, maybe too much for my liking at times. You you wish they get it to the point more. But yeah, I'm seeing a little bit more structure there. In, you know, so they're just they're they're learning on the go. They're still the youngest team in the National Hockey League, I think. Um, and yeah, I mean, their vets are are, are Panarin's, Criders, like the vet on the team, which is kind of wild to think about. Jack Johnson will now be out the rest of the season having surgery. So, you know, I think Kreider is, you know, their longest tenured Ranger. I think he's the oldest on the team, right? He's uh, or actually, no, Brendan Smith is older than Kreider, but yeah, but still, you know what I mean? It's, it's, you know, if you're like Brendan Smith is the, the prime vet on the team, that's kind of a weird thing to think about. Right. And they're playing a competitive in the hardest division in the league. They're playing competitive hockey, you know, and yeah, they've, you know, I you'd I'd argue the Islanders are the best team in this division. So you you have to see how they'll be able to acquit themselves versus them because they're just in a defensive groove and they're just you know they're just steamrolling everyone they come up against. But the fact that you can you can hang and and outplay the Capitals and the Bruins on any given night or the Flyers especially, you know, it's it's good. It's promising. Like the this team will be okay you know it's like i said it's unfortunate that not everything is clicking into place but if everything was clicking into place with this team i think they'd be you know a top 2 team in the division and that's just not how it works you know so 
you take what you can get and you're happy that Zibanejad is rebounding because at the very least, you know that it's like his value, whether he's remains with this team or whether he's a trade ship eventually in the future, you know, his he's maximized in both as an asset in both those ways, you know? And yeah, I think that's the biggest thing, you know, it's, and you, you mentioned it off the top is that this team seems to play for each other and they're happy for one another. I get that sense with the Knicks too, watching them, how much that they seem like a young family and they play for each other. And, you know, they'll have two games where they take it to the limit against the Nets and like, a you know, I forget who, who else it was, but, and it was kind of, they lose in the Sixers. Yeah. It, it, it's not, it, not, you want to say it's almost heartbreaking because it's like, they're kind of trying to show them like we can hang, like, even though we don't have your star power and we're young, like we can hang. And then they, you know, they pull out uh, that game the other night against was the magic. So, and you see how happy they are, you know, that, uh, who had this, the bullock with the steel at the end and they're mobbing them and they're hugging and they're smiling and they're, you know, they support each other. And yeah. And I get that sense for the Rangers. You see, and I, that's what I love about Lafreniere. Like, even though maybe his season is tough for him for a first overall pick, he's just seems just happy with team success, right? He's hugging Zibanejad. He's smiling. He doesn't seem deterred. And I like that. You know what? It's about at the end of the day, it's like maybe for him, it's like, yeah, it's maybe, you know, it's disappointing if you don't have the individual success. But if your team is going and you're a contributor and you're playing in the lineup and, you know, um, yeah, I'm happy for him. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know, he's doing as much as he possibly can. If you look at the Rangers altogether, he kind of just fits the narrative. Like he's not like an outlier with this team. He he's exactly what every single player on this roster is doing maybe with the exception of Fox and Panarin who seem to just no matter what dominate like even their bad games they're still you know leaving the ice with a, a point or two it's just amazing that those two really just there's never a night off like they just don't disappear ever um and and you know Lafreniere is going to have those n- bad nights more often than not if you just look at the way this team is is structured it's just we're a 500 team right now trying to find ourselves and yeah, we are reliant on, you know, the young superstars that we have just drafted, but this is a unique season. Um, you know, Lafreniere coming into this season, you know, had had to deal with COVID. It's not like, you know, he was a part of the New York Rangers COVID hit and then now he's rejoining. Like this is his only experience being around the New York Ranger facilities, being introduced to these players. You know, this is his first crack at being a professional hockey player. And um, he's only played a fourth of the teams in the league. Like it's, this is bizarre. This is, we have never seen this happen before. And, and I know people, you know, uh, the, with the kid on Minnesota cap, um, Kaprasov, Presoff, I forget yeah. his name. Yeah. You look at the success that he's had. It's like, yeah, well, I mean, look at the division. It's not exactly like the greatest division in the world. I would say Minnesota has a more established team you know everyone they're older like Zuccarello's there like it's just like it's a different different team different setup like it's just again it's a non-comparable yeah, um I did Kaprizov, wanna... Kaprizov is 23 years old too. exactly yeah it's, it's like Panarin when he gave it out you know exactly yeah. so and it's you know it's he's yeah he's older but yeah but you're happy for that team and honestly I you see the fact that Minnesota forever has just been a team that has its structure, but hasn't had any game breaking talent. But, you know, you get a Kaprizov and you look at now how much that makes them a threat. And if you see the Rangers and they're almost like they approached it, 
the other way. It's like they've had the they have the promising talent, but they've lacked structure. But now they're finally slowly introducing it and figuring out how to do that. So as these players mature, you know, mm-hmm. Kako, Heedle and uh, Lafreniere, and they're used to being like structure first and then have their their kind of their skills come into, you know, they just figure out how to apply their skill to that structure. I think they're going to be great players. So and, and even look at Miller, like here's a guy that, you know, this is his first year at the NHL level. Everyone had question marks on this kid, yeah. you know, whether could he skate at this level? Could he mentally figure things out as quick as, you know, he's been able to do? And it's just it's not easy. He's been able to do it. And he it's not like he's got guys on the team that are are crushing it all around them. I mean, he's not he's not an Adam Fox like that. That'll never be Ke'Andre Miller. No. You know, you want him to be, and he's like almost better than Truba this year. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, what is Ke'Andre Miller? Who is he looking up to? Who is he trying to play and play like and, and, and emulate? And it's just, he doesn't have that. So he's got to figure out his own game really without any help and assistance. Yeah. And listen, he's been up and down and we knew that was going to happen. But the fact that he's been up when he has been, has been great. You know, it's been, uh, you know, I'd, I'd argue that it's, one of those things where it's like at, at times I thought, you know, especially maybe the early start of last week, he was looking a little, it was just, yeah, he might, he need to sit for a game. He's a little overmatched and making some men, forced mental errors, but I still maintain the fact that I love that. He never, he doesn't let it get, you know, he still tries no. to be aggressive and, and he's figuring out. And I think he's really settled down the last few games. He's well, I- crisper on his outlet passes and he's doesn't, He's not getting uh, turnstiled as much. I think he obviously has understood that his biggest, and I think even in college, that was kind of the, his biggest weakness was his gap control of, you know, getting turnstiled from time for a guy who's as fleet of foot as him. But he's, I think he's figuring it out. And I've seen him be more physical on the boards and more assertive. And yeah, maybe he's, you know, he doesn't have the, it, he, you know, for better or worse, I've said this before, he doesn't, um, like he's assertive and he does things, even if it's that his chips maybe don't have enough mustard to get out of the zone. And he, then it's like, you're still hemmed in. It's, it stinks, but at least I think he's more effective as he, at his age right now, just by doing, you know, going and doing things as opposed to being like, well, being a shrinking violet, you know? Yeah. And, and looking at his game overall, and I think you would agree with me, is that his lows are certainly not as low as you probably would have projected prior to the season. Yeah, oh, exactly. And his, high, and his highs are way higher, again, than you, that you would project uh, prior to the season starting. So that's a, like a good thing. He may ha- he does have the peaks and valleys, of course, like every you know young player in his hockey league has. But they're, it's much higher than I think you and I would have thought going into this season. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I didn't even expect him. I thought he would get a few games here and there in a sheltered role, but I didn't think he'd be where he's at. And, yeah, I think the fact that the Rangers have this newfound structure, at least with under Martin, you know, Martin has. Yeah, they've allowed them to do that, because I think if it was similar to last year, I don't know if this is exactly the the atmosphere. That was the atmosphere you'd want to put him in. But, yeah, I mean, it's you can't. I yeah I can't I couldn't have asked for more and that definitely offsets some, maybe some of the you know the little bit disappointment that at least you know Lafreniere and Kako it's been slower for them to establish themselves really but you know I think another what we forgetting through this stretch with the games and Mika coming back is Kraftsoft's going to be practicing with the team soon you know yeah. so he we're going to see him in a lineup sooner rather than later probably the end of the month sometime um, crazy and, 
And yeah, it's crazy to think about. You know what I mean? And imagine just if you take Blackwell, you make him a fourth liner, and you move Kako up, and you you have Lafreniere, Hedl, Kravtsov. Like, you know, I know. Um, yeah, it's kind of crazy to think about. You know, it's because I, I, from what I understand, Kravtsov can play on either wing. Although I think he's, you know, in in Preferably the cage, a right. Yeah, uh, you know, he's that left-handed shot, he, you know, like Panarin likes to play on the off. But he can yeah. he can kind of he's another guy. He I see him shoot he shoots on the right a lot and he creates from both sides, you know, with little passes. He's just kind of plays contained you know, that Kuznetsov style, you know, smooth within himself. So, yeah, and he's another guy. I think he him and Panarin could have some good chemistry. And no, that's not because they're both Russian. It's just because I think he is actually like Strom and Panarin. He's a little bit more cerebral and can play you know, far ends of the ice. Whereas, you know, I'd argue Kako and, La, you know, Lafreniere is a little bit more of an inside the, the dots game kind of guy. And, and Kako is more of a, you know, win the battles on the boards and grind it out type of player. So I think if anything, you know, there could be. So, yeah, we're going to see a lot of more fun experiments when he comes. So it's it's kind of hard with the way things are going. They're playing 500 hockey to, to not be um, excited, you know, about this team. Because, again, we have so we there they have so many more positive things going than all the, you know, the wave of bullshit they had to deal with uh, earlier in this season. Yeah. And, you know, and we have an upcoming week with three winnable games against the Buffalo Sabres and two against the Philadelphia Flyers, you know, looking at, at the, the rest of the month, you know, you end with two games against the Washington Capitals, which is never easy, but again, you know, you look at the last two games and, very competitive, two very winnable games, one mental error and, and you know, one five-minute span of, of playing poor hockey, you, you, you're you looking at, you know, only two points instead of possibly four. But, uh, you know, next three games, I'm going to, again, have to have you kind of give your expectation for the next three games against the Buffalo Sabres and two against the Flyers. Well, it's funny. Buffalo's what lost fifteen in a row or something. I know, but you know they're bound to win. I know, and that's why it feels like a ticking time bomb. Yeah, um, you gotta course. hope the Rangers are playing the way they are. Beat Buffalo. I mean, I don't. You know, um, I'm gonna pretty much. I think I'm gonna echo. I don't. You know, I don't know. Sean Couturier, as we record this on a Sunday, is getting evaluated, so I don't know what his status is gonna be. You know, I th- I'm hoping they they take. Uh, four out of a possible six I'll be happy with you know I just okay. think they got to keep coming out on the you know in those you know I and that's a for me I would if, if this was two weeks ago I would have said you know three out of a possible six but I'm hoping for four you know uh and if they get more that's obviously amazing but yeah like you said it's like if they're going to start climbing and, and leapfrogging some teams like the teams the only teams they're going to be able to you know they have to feast on buffalo and, de- and the devils and then they're going to have to hope that they can you know, uh, you should be able to split with teams like, uh, or, you know, even come out on top of the battles with teams like the Flyers and the Penguins. Cause you know, and hell, even Washington, you know, it's, they can maybe Mika seems to come alive against them. So, cause I have a feeling that, you know, who knows? I have a feeling that the Bruins and, uh, hell, even, you know, like the, when they play the Islanders, those are going to be their toughest matchups. Although the Bruins yeah. are kind of in a slump right now and the Flyers might be, uber pissed after getting getting embarrassed and that's a saturday well they play thursday and then they play saturday 1 p.m so uh yeah we'll see um they're back at home versus the sabers but then they go to philly so i could definitely see them 
that game in Philly on Thursday will probably be their toughest matchup of the week, you know? So uh, I'm hoping they, they come away with, you know, uh, four out of a possible six. I'm starting to, after being uh, so conservative, I'm starting to kind of, you know, have some more faith. So let's see if they can do it. Thank you for listening to the Broadway Boys podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod, and please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.